Welcome to Retreat Yourself Radio. I'm your host, Kate Williams. I'm a personal trainer, certified health coach, and founder of Retreat Yourself. If you're looking for a healthier, happier, and more fulfilled life, then you've come to the right place. Each week, I'll be diving deep into what it means to live a life well-lived, holding thought-provoking conversations with some of the world's most inspiring people, leaving you with actionable tips, tools, and takeaways so that you too can lead a life well-lived. So grab a cuppa, sit back, relax, and enjoy. It's time to begin your journey to your most incredible life. Hello, everybody. I hope you're all well and looking after yourself at the moment. It's a crazy world we find ourselves in right now, particularly down here in Victoria. It's just crazy, crazy. And I really hope that you're all looking after yourselves and your loved ones as well. This week on the podcast, we have the incredible Elise Cocliffe. Elise is the owner of An Apple A Day, where she offers both over the phone and in-person nutritionist consultations. Her website covers a range of information from hormones to gut health to delicious recipes, which some of you may have seen in our wellness magazines before, to all things nutrition and holistic health. Elise is a certified nutritionist whose career and health and well-being stemmed from her understanding of the simple relationship between cause and effect. As you hear in this episode, Elise has gone from traveling the world as an international model to returning home to Australia to embark on a four-year science degree that allowed her to study the biochemistry and pathology of health and disease. This also allowed her to integrate a holistic understanding of both pharmacology and Western diagnostic tools. This foundation, when combined with her years of personal experience, led her to discover an approach to health and wellness that is not only holistic, but also scientific scientific and integrative. In this episode, we chat all things gut health, so what it is, how it affects us mentally, emotionally, and also physically, which a lot of people know gut health uh, affects you physically, but they don't necessarily know their emotional effects, why good gut health is important, and also how you can improve yours. Elise is an absolute wealth of knowledge, and I have no doubt that you'll learn a lot from this episode. Enjoy. Hey, Elise. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. So a lot of our um, listeners and community members will know you from us working with you for our Retreat Yourself magazine. We've had you featured quite a few times with delicious recipes. <laughs> They're amazing. Um, so, yeah, so thank you so much for joining me. Um, I've, I've done a bit of an intro at the start about you and kind of what you do, um, and I'm super interested to hear from you in your own words who you are and what you do for a living. Um, okay, well, that's, I always find these questions the toughest ones to answer, but um, I am a qualified nutritionist. Um, I work for myself in private practice and I consult with patients all over the world um, in a number of areas, but mostly or one, my prime focus is, of course, gut health. Yeah, that's amazing. Definitely. It is always hard. Like I've done quite a few podcasts as well and people ask you that and you're like, okay, how do I summarize it really quickly? <laughs> I, who am I in one sentence? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you're allowed to say more than one sentence, so just to, you know, go with the flow. <laughs> um, so tell us about um, Elise before running your own business. Like what was life like growing up and, and how did you get into this field? Oh, okay. So I grew up in um, rural Western Australia, so I, I had a, a love for the outdoors and for nature and um, I went to this tiny little country primary school, which when I look back has really helped shape uh, who I am today. 
um, in more ways than one. Um, after that, obviously high school, and then I just when you're uh, presented with um, the choice or that career book um, in year twelve. I really liked the idea of going and studying dietetics. I wanted to learn more about the field of nutrition. However, there wasn't many job prospects. So I actually decided to go and study economics and finance at um, university, which is very different. And to many people's surprise, I actually really loved it. Um, And I got the job that I wanted and I was thought that I was on a clear path um, ahead. However, I got thrown a curveball and was lured into the modeling industry. And so I actually traveled the world um, for months at a time working and overseas um, internationally as a model. Amazing. Wow. So you've done many different things. (laughs) Yes, I have. It's been a colorful uh, journey to this point. Yeah, but I feel like everything on a journey like that, like everything that you do shapes you to to get to where you are today. Like I'm sure you learned so many things in your economics and business degree and also in modeling that helps you now with your nutrition and everything. Oh, absolutely. And I don't think that I ever would have ended up here with the grounding that I have had I not chopped and changed and gone down different paths in the beginning. Yeah, of course, of course. And I love what you say about growing up in a small town. I grew up in a small town too. And I feel like yeah, you learn, I feel like having that small kind of tight-knit community really gives you kind of a grounding in life. I don't know what it is about growing up in a small town, but I just think it's a great start to life. <laughs> I agree with you. I just can't, I can't put my finger on it, but there's something about it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And now you're living on the Gold Coast. I'm yes. very jealous. <laughs> I'm sure many people, especially in Victoria, are very, very jealous of that right now. <laughs> I am feeling for all Victorians in a Victorian winter. I've been there, I've done that, um, but I will take the sunshine any day. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and I know that you've got loads of degrees and certifications and things like that. Can you tell me a little bit about that and what they are and the, the ones in relation to like nutrition and everything? Sure. So I've, well, I got the two degrees, which was the um, Bachelor of Commerce and Economics and Finance. And then I actually went and studied a Bachelor of Health Science um, at university. That was nutritional med, which is a little bit different to nutrition and dietetics. We actually studied alongside um naturopaths and acupuncturists we did it we we came at it for more of a holistic picture um and that enabled me to go on and um really launch into a whole bunch of different study that helped um solidify my understanding in a number of areas so obviously gut health um, microbiome training um oh gosh it continues on and on and on and on and on there's plenty of them but they all help us understand the individual as a whole Mm, yeah definitely and I I definitely think that um, nutrition and health and wellness is is a holistic approach so it's awesome that you've had training and, and you worked alongside of naturopaths and acupuncturists and things like that absolutely and I think like when you first step into the world of health and well-being you are or some people I think find that or feel as though their modality is the only way but when you're able to train alongside um, a number of other practitioners from different modalities and you're able to um, extend your knowledge base and learn or be mentored by people from different modalities, you actually realize that we don't, as a, as a single person or a single practice, don't have all of the answers. And in order to get the best for the patient, you really have to branch out and pull everybody in in order to um, get the patient feeling better. Of course. Yeah, that's such a good way to look at it. I also find that, you know, a lot of people have this idea about, 
nutrition and health and they think that you know you eat particular foods and that'll make you healthy but often there's emotional things going on or um, there's stress that's impacting your diet or um, you know how you're feeling but well above and beyond the food that you're eating so it is so important to to bring those different um, yeah those different practices into it as well absolutely so what does a day in the life look like for you oh gosh um, well, they're always changing. My Monday to Thursdays, I am well and truly in clinical practice. So obviously breakfast is a form of exercise, jump into emails, case notes, and then I'm preparing for my time in um, clinic with my patients. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously because I'm working, because I'm trying to fit in with everybody else's work schedules and a lot of appointments are after work, I don't really finish up till late. Um, I come home. Um, we'll have dinner, spend some time with my husband, friends. I do and make sure I do a stretch and a wind down routine before I jump into bed, and then it's off to bed. On my yeah. on my Fridays, it's my creative day, which I love. Um, not that I don't love my time with my patients, but I do enjoy the creative side. Um, I work on new projects, collaborations, and spend some time um, researching new cases and things like that. And then weekends are strictly downtime, which I love. Yes, which is so, so important. I think uh, when you run your own business, it can be easy to get caught up in the working on the weekend uh, type thing, which is not good for the mental health or um, long term. It's not sustainable either. I remember when I first started, I was like, yes, I'm going to do Saturdays. I'm going to fit in with everybody's schedule. And I was very fast approaching burnout. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can't help people with their health if I'm not setting my own boundaries in place. And ever since I changed it to strictly no work on the weekends, things changed. It was great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. How about a day on your plate? It's always interesting to hear from like nutritionists and um, dietitians around what they eat um, because obviously we're throwing so much information all of the time. The industry of nutrition is such a conflicting, <laughs> complex one. Absolutely. Um, so- I'd love to know what what you would eat in a typical day. I really wish I had this definitive answer for everybody, but my experience in the field of nutrition has meant that I've learned that variety is key. So every day is different. I don't adhere to any label. Um, I just make sure we're eating a whole lot of um, fresh and organic produce that we picked up from the farmer's market that weekend. Um, uh, I, yeah, lots of proteins, um, healthy fats, grains legumes lentils meats yeah it's it's a really big mix how do you like with organic uh fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. how important do you think it is to to buy organic i mean look i work on a scale of good better best with my patients so good is just getting some fresh produce and making sure you're eating it better would be um fresh produce that produce that had just been picked from the farmer's market and then best is your organic produce So if you can hit best in some way or another, that's amazing. But you don't have to discredit yourself or get down or feel um, defeated if you can't get there. And just eating a lot of fresh produce is great. Yeah, of course. What do you think for people that don't quite understand what the benefits of organic produce are Mm -hmm. do you mind explaining what why organic produce is best? Sure. So I guess. there's a number of things that there are a number of factors that come into this one. The first one is that we don't quite understand or the literature is yet to catch up, I should say, on the effects of particular chemicals that they are spraying on our food in the form of pesticides and herbicides. 
their effect on our health um, long term. We've also got to understand that a lot of these particular chemicals that are sprayed on our food can actually damage the soil in which our food grows. Now, when you plant a tree, um, it takes all of its nutrients up through the soil. So as a result, we can actually see that some of um, the non-organic or the conventional produce is actually devoid of particular nutrients. So we're not actually getting bang for our buck if we are sitting down to eat those particular foods. Um, And then, of course, um, I like to support local businesses. And I find that, I mean, another reason why I love the Gold Coast, Northern New South Wales, is because we do have the most incredible access to fresh produce. And a lot of our organic farmers have really made an effort and are really um, doing their very best to bring the best produce to us. And I like to reward them, I guess, or participate in that practice by handing over my cash at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, it's just kind of a yeah a no brainer, really. I suppose it, I suppose a lot of people just struggle with the cost of organic produce, but I suppose when you go into farmers markets and everything, often um, the, the price is the same as the supermarket. Oh, I agree. I remember we had we were traveling and we had to buy groceries at the supermarket, and I thought, oh my gosh, this is actually more expensive than our organic mm. farmers market. It was pretty expensive. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've got to make that effort and you've got to get up early on the Saturday morning where you'd much rather lie in bed and you've got to go. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. It's about priorities, I guess, at the end of the day. Sure is. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about gut health um, <laughs> because I know this is one of your areas of expertise and it's such a popular topic at the moment and actually has been for quite some time now because <laughs> I think there's more and more research and, and information coming out about gut health and how it actually impacts your whole health. Mm-hmm. Um, so what exactly, for somebody who doesn't quite understand what gut health is and how it impacts the body. Do you mind giving us a little rundown on that? Sure. Well, as you mentioned before, it's a huge topic. So it basically comprises everything from the digestion to absorption of our nutrients, um, which is quite a large process. It also encompasses our gut microbiome and that's and its impact on our moods, our immune function, our hormone balance, our skin, and so on. Wow. Yeah, it really is a <laughs> an, an in-depth um, topic. So we'll try and talk about it as much as we can and get as much information out there as um, we can. Like I mentioned at the start, I put a question to our community on Facebook um, to see if anyone had any questions as well. So I'll throw those ones in um, at the end of the conversation as well. Let's do it. <laughs> um, so what is the importance of a of good gut health like how does it actually affect our mental emotional and physical states okay so look i see patients from all over the world with a number of health conditions and i can honestly say hand on my heart i've never ever once not addressed gut health so many people i guess often associates um symptoms of like um a poor gut health with bloating, abdominal discomfort. You've got your IBS, which is becoming more and more common. You've got irritable bowel disease. But what many people re- don't realize is that gut health can actually play a role in anxiety and depression, or even in our ability to focus and to concentrate. And more often than not, that can affect our levels of fatigue. Um, there are particular microbes that influence our hormonal management, which of course, as women, we understand how much of an impact that can have on our life if it is out of balance. There's also players of inflammation, there's autoimmune conditions, there's a whole lot. 
Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there really is a lot. And it, it's interesting. I think a lot of people don't quite understand um, or know about how, I mean, obviously it's becoming more and more, um, there's so much more information out there about this now, but how your gut health can massively affect your headspace. Mm-hmm. I know for me, I struggle with, um, I actually got diagnosed with IBS um, a few years ago, which I found um quite difficult actually because it didn't give me an an exact answer on what Mm -hmm. I had to do to um, manage my my gut health but I know for me by the end of the day like I'll start off the day feeling good my stomach's good Um, by the end of the day I'm so bloated and swollen Mm -hmm. and especially at the moment being pregnant it's like next level Um, and then yeah I get really bad flatulence and all of that kind of thing and it actually by the end of the day when I'm really bloated I can't concentrate the same way I normally would Mm -hmm. I might feel irritable um, and tired and um, yeah it really does it really does affect the way that your brain works absolutely and it's one of the questions that I will ask my patients when they do present to the clinic I'm like are you managing the day-to-day and they say oh no by three o'clock or by this I'm not I'm not coping I can't concentrate Um, and we are like it creates a level of frustration and that frustration can actually perpetuate gut symptoms if that makes sense so it's a it's a circle and we've got to look at intervening at some point and helping the the body get back on track yeah yeah absolutely what do you think about IBS by the way um is that something that you think like I know that there's a lot of talk from some doctors around not believing that it's a real thing um what's your thoughts on that well I I understand patients frustration because often they've got all of these symptoms and then they just get whacked with a diagnosis of IBS and told to go on their way. Um, what we have to look at it is, is that irritable bowel syndrome, syndrome is just a collection of symptoms. And I mean, the patient and I both know going into getting a diagnosis, we know the bowel is irritated because of the symptoms that are presenting itself. So I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes from. Um, I do believe that there is a a gross misunderstanding in how to manage it um but it all does come back to an individualized approach so it's it's hard to comment for the general population but I do treat IBS every single day in clinic and I understand how every single patient who's been diagnosed with this at some point does feel yeah it is frustrating I can say from personal experience Mm. (laughs) yeah um I actually um studied holistic nutrition I just did a course um in it a few years ago mm-hmm. and it was really interesting the whole course you might have heard of um IIN yes of, yeah yeah so I did a course with them um and it was very much about they literally teach you about every single dietary theory mm. um and the whole purpose and like going through it you're like wow this is kind of overwhelming because there's so many ways of looking at diet but really at the end of the day they're like every single person is different yeah. and every single person has different requirements everybody's makeup is different um so, yeah, it, there really is no one uh, answer per person, I suppose, and I guess that's why people like you exist, to work with people on an individual basis and, and diagnose them, um, yeah, case by case. Absolutely, and I often get people um, in my direct messages saying, look, this is what I've got, what would you recommend? And honestly, like hand on my heart, I can't recommend anything without sitting down with you for at least an hour and nutting out every single corner of your case and going, okay, well, this is how we'll look at managing it going forward. Yeah, for sure. Really there's so many, yeah, there's so many factors that come into it too, like mental stress um, and all of that kind of thing. Like you were saying before, um, you know, poor gut health can impact anxiety and things like that. But I mm-hmm. suppose anxiety and stress can actually impact the gut. 
Absolutely. It's a two-way communication. Of course, yeah. How Can you explain the gut-brain connection? There's a lot of talk about this recently and even people saying, going as far as saying the gut is a second brain. Sure. Um, what, what are your thoughts on this? Absolutely. And look, the research in this is still unfolding. It's really exciting to watch it. But um, basically they've discovered that there is a, a two-way line of connection um, between the brain and uh, the gut itself. That's via the vagus nerve. But on top of that, there's also a number of biochemical connections that allows our thoughts to directly affect the gut and obviously the gut to affect our thoughts, vice versa. So that's why stress, whether it's in the form of physical or emotional stress, can have a huge effect on the gut itself. Um, all you have to do is recall like a high stress situation that you've been in before. Has it made you feel nauseous? Do you get butterflies? Have you had abdominal pain? Do you need to rush to the bathroom? And we can actually see that two-way connection um, in play. Mm, yeah, it's it's so interesting. It's so crazy. And I think most people, if you think back to a time in your life where you've been stressed out or even excited like mm-hmm. you know when you get really excited yeah. you need to go to the bathroom mm-hmm. um I feel like yeah that absolutely shows how connected the, the brain and the gut are absolutely what are the factors that can cause poor gut health I think there's a lot of talk around how you can improve it but what actually causes poor gut health okay everybody's favorite topic stress stress yeah. is probably the biggest player that I see day in day out um it's very very rarely that I do treat um a patient for gut symptoms without dealing with the stress first um your diet of course so um not eating enough uh fibers you've got a diet that's possibly too high in refined carbohydrates or more importantly one that actually is too high in protein and fats and not enough fiber that can also implicate it as well um or be implicated i should say um exercise too much or too little exercise can really um, affect gut health, poor sleep. Um, travel is a big player as well. So we're looking at interesting microbes and we travel overseas. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you've got smoking, your alcohol, overuse of painkillers, antibiotics, medications, and look, even um, long-term use of the oral contraceptive pill has been linked to changes in our gut microbiome. So these all have a huge um, role to play. Yeah, wow. So it's basically anything that kind of throws you out of kilter. Yeah, and that comes back to that gut-brain connection as well because any of those um, factors that I mentioned, they all affect our stress and the way that we live our life as well. So, Mm, Yeah, definitely. When people are talking about fixing their gut health, I know that there is a lot of talk around um, pre- and probiotics. (laughs) Can you tell us the difference between these and how they each play their part? in uh, improving gut health? Sure. So prebiotics are like a range of nutrients that are believed to nourish our microbiome. So they're actually a form of undigestible carbohydrates or fiber that are found in um, a lot of our whole foods. So whole plant foods like bananas, onions, potato, garlic, leek, oh gosh, asparagus, lentils, grains, nuts and seeds, all of those whole plant-based foods. Um And I know a lot of people get worried because they go, oh, I can't digest those particular foods. That's okay. That means we just need to do some work on your microbiome. Mm. Probiotics uh, themselves are live beneficial bacteria that we've been able to, well, I mean, it comes in particular foods like fermented yogurt and um, like cabbage. So in the form of your sauerkraut and your kimchi, they're actually present in those themselves. But then we've also, um, with science, been able to isolate just a small selection, not a lot, but just a very, very small selection of those bacteria. And we pop them in pills, which are advertised greatly. 
Yeah, <laughs> they are. They definitely are. I had um, I actually saw a naturopath for a while and did like a um, a gut um, like protocol type thing, mm-hmm. and she basically said to me that taking uh, if you've got gut problems, taking a probiotic can actually uh, have a negative effect because if you've got an overgrowth of a particular bacteria and you're not feeding the right bacteria with the probiotics, um, it can affect you negatively. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I often wonder, and this is not scientific, this is just me um, observing cases in clinic. I often wonder if the overuse of probiotics and just um, constantly reintroducing or constantly hammering the gut with specific strains of bacteria is actually linked in some way to irritable bowel syndrome because we're overloading with one type or two, a, couple, a few strains of bacteria and neglecting quite a wider range. Um, and I think that, I mean, one of the keys to gut health is diversity in your gut microbiome. So making mm. sure that we do focus on the bigger picture is super important. Yeah, of course. So in, I suppose, yeah, I suppose a, a probiotic, taking probiotics would be a case-by-case um situation really. absolutely case by case and then you've got to get a, like you really do have to be as specific as strain by strain like I don't introduce particular bacteria into someone's um into their diet or into their gut unless I know what's going on on a microflora or from a microflora perspective Mm, of course well, I'm just going to take a step back for a second mm-hmm. and talk about the mi- microbiome for somebody who doesn't know what the microbiome is can you explain it in layman's terms okay we are or it is a collection of bacteria that inhabit I like our gut um but also it's it's found everywhere on our skin and our mouth as well um and these bacteria when are li- when they're living in a really diverse population um and are really happy and healthy and loving what they're doing by helping us break down our food. Um, They make us feel good and make us feel in control and um, support our gut tissue and perpetuate good health by their actions, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I think there's just so much talk about the microbiome that um, I don't think necessarily people know exactly what it is. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's also like the market is so saturated at the moment with mm-hmm. things like kimchi and kombucha. Um, and, you know, kombucha is so popular these days. Um, everybody's buying it and drinking it by their leader. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that these actually help or hinder gut health? Um, I guess. Well, that's the wellness industry, unfortunately. As soon as we hear a key phrase or a key term, I feel marketing is very closely behind it. Um, look, it really depends on the patient and the case presentation. Um, I know some people with histamine issues really struggled to eat kimchi. that actually gives them headaches and others who thrive. And that comes back down to what type of microbiome they have and what type of symptoms they're presenting with. If you've addressed your underlying issues, then including like, um, kimchi or kombucha and things like that in your diet as part of a wider variety of foods won't do any harm but just try not to overload them like kombucha itself is just one strain of bacteria and coming back to what we said before overloading on one strain can cause more issues we need to make sure that we're actually supporting the whole community Mm, yeah definitely I know that I I certainly uh don't always tolerate kimchi Mm -hmm. Uh, kombucha I didn't used to be able to tolerate at all and now I can um but yeah, kimchi and sauerkraut and things, too much of that and I'm so bloated. Yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy. Um, 
it's the same with things like lentils and legumes and things like that as well for me. And I know a lot of other people um, feel the same. I was actually chatting with the girls in the office yesterday about how I was going to be interviewing you this morning and um, we were actually talking about legumes. So mm-hmm. pretty much everybody in our office is either vegan or vegetarian, um, right. except for me. I used to be um, vegetarian for quite some time and went vegan for a little while as well. And then, like you said earlier in the conversation, um, I just hated the label. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't like being like, I'm a vegetarian or I'm a vegan. So I took that off and now I just eat a really balanced diet. But a lot of the girls being vegan and vegetarian, they eat a lot of beans and, and legumes and everything. Mm-hmm. And we know that they're good for your health. We know that they're um, really good, like prebiotic source. Um, how come so many people react to these kinds of foods? Well, it can be down to actually a number of things. Um <laughs> There can be an intolerance, but I want to preface this whole conversation by saying if you do have an intolerance to a certain food, don't remove that food from your diet altogether. Um, What you need to do is remove that food for a short period of time and then look at fixing the gut microbiome and fixing the gut itself. So address the problem, not necessarily the symptom. Um, Looking at... So yeah, if there is an intolerance, looking at your stress, looking at your gut integrity, and of course your gut microbiome. Okay. Now this issue with lentils and legumes will arise with a lack of diversity in microbial scores. I see that in clinic. It also means that you may not have enough of the bacteria that help digest these particular um, undigestible carbohydrates, let's say peacefully. So it can make it worse, if that makes sense. Um, So we have to really step back from this and which I'm a huge advocate for in clinic, I stop blaming the food and step back and look at improving your microbial scores first. On top of that, you need to make sure that you're soaking and preparing those legumes and lentils properly first as well because that has a big uh, role to play in the digestion of those foods. Yeah, okay, awesome. Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of, well, like we're speaking about in the office, the girls were like, can you build up um, your tolerance to it? And obviously you've just answered that. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting. Like legumes and beans and things just seem to be foods that a lot of people just can't seem to tolerate too much of. Um, sure. I, I often, yeah, I often pop them in the same group. A lot of people really struggle with garlic and onion as well, and they mm. they do have a high amount of undigestible fiber in them, which then becomes the role of your gut microbiome to digest them. So ensuring that we're working on improving those microbial scores can actually help us. Um, improve those symptoms associated with digestion. Yeah, of course. And obviously um, the gut has an impact on so many other things like we spoke about before. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, we with our boxes that we create, we put a lot of skincare into the boxes and we mm. got a, get a lot of people um, asking us questions about uh, looking after your skin. And um, a couple of weeks ago I interviewed um, one of our uh, contributors who's amazing um, on the podcast to do with skincare, mm-hmm. um, which I think is such an important part of your overall health and wellness routine Uh, however I I just don't I think a lot of people miss a step that gut health massively impacts your skin Um, how does gut health impact your skin wow big question okay (laughs) again I'm going to preface this by saying that not all skin conditions are caused by an imbalance in your microflora in your gut however it's a pretty significant piece to the puzzle, which I agree with you is often overlooked. Um, And I guess to summarise it in the simplest way, it all comes back down to inflammation. So 
whether or not we have a lack of good bacteria or an overgrowth of bacteria that are less than ideal, if we have food intolerances, if the gut is irritated, all of this is manifesting in what we call inflammation. And when this inflammation is chronic or constant through a number of mechanisms, this can actually manifest into the production of inflammation in the skin. And then we see a, like a, a number of cases that I've seen in clinic, but obviously with the presentation of acne, which is an increased amount of cytokines in the skin, eczema, um, dermatitis, psoriasis. Or like Again, I've never once addressed any of those cases without sitting down and addressing the gut itself. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I definitely, I know for me personally, um, I, I, I don't have too many skin problems. Mm-hmm. Like I'm actually very lucky in this, in the sense that I've never got too many um, pimples or had acne or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I do notice a huge difference when my diet is filled with um, lots of fruits and vegetables as opposed to eating things that are more processed and refined. So it's just, I think, even just from changing the diet and seeing the benefits, um, I can actually see the difference that it makes. Absolutely. And with a better diet, your microbes are more happy, which then actually results in clearer skin. Yeah, exactly. I also think a hot topic topic on everyone's minds at the moment is um, immunity, obviously. Mm-hmm. The situation we're in in the world, um, especially feeling the brunt of it down here in Victoria at the moment, um, how does gut health impact your immune system gut health and immune system when we're looking at the gut we need to look at our microbes these guys are actually one of the ones that are acting as a filter to the outside world okay so these particular microbes are coming into contact with everything that you eat everything that you breathe everything that you um, ingest Um, they're all filtering that and protecting you from the outside world now When we're looking at improving your immune system, making sure the microbes are actually in your favor are going to be um, having a positive role on your immune system. It's such a big topic and I'm thinking about all the different cases that I've worked with. Yeah, it is. It is such a big topic and it is a very broad question. (laughs) Mm. Um, Yeah, I suppose like when it comes to I suppose it's really the question on people's minds really is how do they improve their immunity and I guess it's where I was going with that question it's like how does um you know how does your gut health affect your immune system and then how can what can you do to improve your immunity whether it is via like improving your gut microbiome or whether it's just particular foods to eat and the impact that they have um yeah absolutely and look that's a much simpler question to answer and it's the same way that we actually improve gut health So it's looking at your stress, managing your stress, because as soon as your defenses are down because you're overwhelmed with all of the tasks that you've got to do, all those infections can make their way into the system and um, wreak havoc. Your diet, like if you're having one that's high in refined carbohydrates, um, sugar actually suppresses the immune system and obviously overworks your microbes. So then again, your immune defenses are down and we've got work to do there. Um, Overtraining can often put too much of a stress on the on the whole body and that can affect the immune system mm. or sleep picking like again microbes that we have pick up when we travel again smoking or, or alcohol all of those actually act as suppressors to the immune system mm. basically anything that kind of works your body too hard absolutely um, puts you in a position of vulnerability I guess you could say not many people are traveling at the moment Mm -hmm. (laughs) but but, um definitely all of the other bits and pieces yeah and it's totally I think a huge component of it is keeping a good mindset 
um, and just like eating well and um, limiting your stress. And yeah, because it's just, if everybody's stressed out about what's going on and, um, you know, they're worrying about everything, Mm -hmm. then their their immune system's only going to be depleted. So yeah, it's an interesting topic. That's for sure. It is. And it's extensive. It goes on and on and on. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Sorry for um, asking you such a broad question. <laughs> You're like, how do I answer this? <laughs> um, I might actually go through, um, so like I said uh, earlier, I put a question to the community. So we have a Facebook uh, community where we talk about a whole range of different things from our eight-week reset to our boxes to um, magazines to a whole bunch of different stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just said in there, uh, does anybody have any questions for you? And a few people have actually asked questions they are quite broad and they do range but I will um go through a few of them if you're happy for me to do that sure so one of the girls has asked and we've kind of covered this through our conversation um but she said that there's you know there's a lot of um an emphasis from different leaders in the health and exercise industry mm-hmm. um that um you know you need to get out of the diet culture and reset the brain when it comes to healthy eating. But there's also so much pressure to um, do things like weight loss or um, maintain a healthy diet by counting calories or counting macros, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously um, when you're doing that, you're living, you're eating a restrictive diet. You're not eating in abundance. You're restricting what you eat. Um, you know, a lot of the time when it comes to weight loss, it's very much about, um, you know, protein and um, limiting carbs, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what she's asking is um, how would that impact somebody's gut health and long-term health, um, you know, if they're constantly going in and out of different diet, dietary uh, habits and fads? Sure. Well, I guess the first thing that I always address with my patients who are following very strict diets is questioning how much of a role or this is playing on their stress. Because as you mentioned before, eating restricted diets, um, calorie counting, all of that other stuff is maths and um, work that we don't necessarily need in an already pretty complicated life that is 2020. So, and how as we mentioned before, how stress can impact your gut health was something that we do need to take into consideration. The other thing that is important to mention is that when we restrict diets, like even going on a gluten-free diet can actually reduce the diversity of your gut microbiome. So when you start to reduce your foods, you may, and I mean, of course, in combination with too much exercise or poor sleep or um, high stress, those all of those factors we mentioned before, um, the restriction can actually lead to a depletion. And sometimes in some cases, there's actually seen, seen a loss of bacteria strains. So becoming too micro-focused or should I say macro-focused, but becoming too focused on hitting particular targets can have quite detrimental effects to your gut health long-term. And I guess, I mean, and I always encourage my patients to come back to this place where there is balance and there is um, diversity in your diet and there's less stress and there's less restriction and you eat according to your own individual set of circumstances rather than just following a prescribed plan from a magazine or yeah yeah I love that I totally I love that and I, I definitely when I was younger was very much about following different diets and restricting mm-hmm. calories and all of that kind of thing like I think many of us are when we're when we're younger and you know obsessed with weight loss and things like that absolutely um, and I noticed that when I made a change to 
focusing on abundance rather than restriction so looking at all of the things that I could eat like there's so many different fruits and veggies and so many different things um, that I can have you know when I broke free of wanting to be a vegetarian or a vegan and allowed myself to eat little bits of meat and um, you know dairy here and there Mm -hmm. I actually noticed a huge change in my health um, massively so you're absolutely yeah bang on and I've experienced that firsthand um, how much of a difference it can make when you're you're eating a balanced diet yeah it is hard though because like Mm -hmm. you said about marketing marketing earlier there is just so much marketing and I think marketing has a lot to answer for when it comes to health in general and I guess too it a lot of these um, diets will answer a call for help from a number of different people and whether that be weight loss whether that be um, oh, bloating or abdominal discomfort it answers that call for help but in reality if you actually work on really strengthening your foundations so speaking with a practitioner about developing um, a treatment plan specific to you and really improving your health from the ground up you won't actually need to reach for these things like I don't know about you but when I like when I was going through all of my um dietary work all the calorie counting and all those things that I did especially being in the modeling industry you you're constantly striving for a goal but honestly uh, myself in particular felt that I was becoming more and more unhealthy as I followed the advice that wasn't specific to myself but once you step back from that and you actually work on healing, now I look at those diets and I go, oh, whatever, I'm not even interested. Like I've got, yeah. I've got my grounding. I know where I'm at and I'm going to keep going. Yeah, of course, of course. And it works for you. It makes you feel good. Yeah, you are. And you've already kind of hit those goals without having to, um, to restrict or eat particular foods. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's a lot of talk about gluten, um, what you're saying before about removing it from your diet completely. And one of the questions that we've got is um, one of the girls has said she's recently reduced gluten in her diet, so she hasn't said that she's removed it completely, um, but somebody told her that it helps with um, joint pain and inflammation. Mm-hmm. And she has, she did say she has noticed an improvement. Is that just a placebo effect or do you think that gluten really does cause um, inflammation in the body? Well, it depends on the individual again. And also we have to take into consideration um, the gut of this particular individual as well. Like, for instance, is the gut really inflamed? Does she have poor digestion? Does she have poor production of stomach acid? What are all the other factors that are coming into play here? Gluten itself is a, it's quite a difficult protein to digest. And I see it more often than not, a lot of people that do um, build up an intolerance or develop an intolerance to this food actually have um, low stomach acid function, low enzymatic function, um, a lot of other factors that are contributing to this. And what we're doing is actually blaming the food itself. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, totally, totally. I think um, a lot of... (laughs) The basically the theme of the whole conversation is it's really an individual thing. Um, You know, everybody everybody is different and everybody's makeup is different and something that you might react to might be completely different to something that somebody else reacts to and it's not actually the food in itself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's a lot. There's... That's a lot of the problem when it comes to um, the nutrition industry, I think, is we are blaming foods for our problems, um, you know, and, yeah, would you agree that it's not, it's just not always food? I 
I couldn't agree more. And I always say this, in defense of food, can we just stop and address the whole picture? I think it's easy for us to say, oh, I react to gluten rather than going and doing a lot of the repair work and doing a lot of the individualized treatment and um, focus and reducing stress and all those other things. And so a lot of people um, are cutting food groups left, right and center. But I notice in clinical practice, they start with removing one group and they feel better initially. And then we'll develop a similar intolerance to a second group of food. So they remove those and then a third and then it continues on. And by the time they get to me, they're like, I basically can't eat anything. And I'm like, yes, because you've removed those foods, but you never address the underlying problem. And symptoms, like I believe with all the work that I've done in clinic, um, food intolerances are a symptom of poor gut health. So let's address that before we just remove the food groups altogether. Mm, yeah, 100%. That's awesome. What can somebody expect to go through when they have a consultation with you? Like, how does it look? Okay, so again, it all depends on the individual, but we basically book an hour chat. And that's sometimes not even enough for me to get to the bottom of things, but it's enough to get us started. So I will do an hour case taking with the patient. We will look at every aspect of health um, from stress through to liver function, through to digestive function, um, training, sleep, all of those things. Um, from there, I will, will consider any additional testing that maybe need to be done depending on what the patient has already had done and the symptoms that they're presenting with. And from there, we develop a treatment plan. Um, like I said, I'm not a huge subscriber to any particular diet um, because of the stress and the anxiety that that creates around food, which I don't believe, I think we've got enough already. Um, so I work on implementing small steps with patients one appointment at a time to enable them to kind of understand what they're eating, why they're eating it and how to fuel their bodies specific to their individual um, and build on that every time instead of a major diet overhaul in the first consultation, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. That makes total sense. And especially like just backs up everything that you've been saying through this conversation. And I think a lot of people will be kind of relieved to hear that because it's it is so overwhelming like it's like what am I supposed to eat like do I restrict calories or do I eat um, veggies only or do I cut out meat or do I you know there's just so much information it is just so overwhelming and just so conflicting as well so um, I really like that you've brought it back to to basics and and really it, it really is about the individual it is and and learning I think learning how to eat again because it's one of those things that we were never taught we were basically gifted food on our plate from my parents and that's just what we built our foundations on and a lot of us don't understand how we need to eat and the timing and um, what their plate should look like in order to fuel their body specific to them and I think mm. understanding that for you as an individual is a really empowering process because my goal at the end is not to keep my patients forever if I'm doing that then I'm not doing my job properly but my goal is to set them up with um with habits that they can take with them throughout their life and hopefully teach others, which are then helps us relieve some of the stress on the industry itself. Yeah, of course, of course. So much information. Thank you so much. I'm sure everybody listening will be like, wow, okay, <laughs> I need some, I've got some work to do because I think uh, a lot of people that you speak to these days have issues with their gut. So, Absolutely. Um, where can people find you? Like if somebody's interested in um, booking a consultation, I know that you do online consultations yeah. um 
Yep. Where can they go to find you? So I do online consultations with people around Australia, New Zealand and Europe. So that, that all of it can be booked via my website, which is an Um, and then if you are on the Gold Coast or are visiting the coast, I do have a clinic in Burley, which I work from, um, two days a week. So that can all be booked again through the website itself. Amazing. Awesome. And if somebody wants to find you on social media and follow along, where can they find you? An apple a day underscore nutrition. Amazing. Thank you so much. You're just such a wealth of knowledge. And I just, yeah, I reckon everybody listening will walk away feeling relieved and um yeah inspired to go and do something to help their their health fantastic the more people that adjust their gut health the better off we'll all be exactly awesome well thank you so much elise thank you so much for having me awesome is Elise. She's just so down to earth and humble, but yet so incredibly knowledgeable. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. I sure know that I got a lot out of speaking with her. To find out more about Elise or to reach out to her, you can check the show notes and we will see you in a couple of weeks. Enjoy and stay safe and look after yourselves.